welcome to the second episode of the Dick Vet Podcast with me, Stephen Ray. In this show, we discuss any questions, queries, worries or woes that students may have before studying at the Royal Dick School of Veterinary Studies. First off, thank you to yourself for downloading or streaming this podcast. I hope you learned something from it and that you can find it worthwhile. For those who didn't tune into our first episode, let me just explain what this podcast is all about. Basically, we think students should have as much information as possible before deciding on which university they should go to because it is a really big decision. So in the series, I'll be having an informal chat with lecturers, course organizers, and most importantly, students who are studying either veterinary medicine or one of the agricultural sciences. So you know exactly what to expect when you begin your studies at the University of Edinburgh. Through these chats, we hope to cover everything and anything that you'd want to know before coming to university. In this episode, we're going to be talking about one of the courses that we offer here at Edinburgh University, which is the veterinary medicine course. I'm very pleased to say that for the remainder of the episode, you'll hear a lot less of me uh, because I'm joined by the Chair of Veterinary Education here at the Dick Vet, uh, Professor Susan Rind. How are you today? Very well, thank you, Stephen. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. I know you're, you're very busy. And once again, we're joined by one of our very own fourth year students, Zoe Ennis. Hi. Thank you for coming back. That's my pleasure. Uh, so we're going to talk about the content of the course, why students sh- should want to come and join us here, really. And Zoe, what what made you choose this course over other ones? Because you're from Canada, so yeah. it's a long way to travel and you've got to be pretty sure yeah. of, a, of a decision like that. So kind of what was it that made you want to come here? Yeah, so I think that, first of all, the Dick Vet has a really great international reputation. It was a school that I'd heard of since I was a kid actually, when I wanted to become a vet, since I was five or so. Um, I knew a bunch of people who had come here and really enjoyed the course. A few of my friends, when I had started, or had just finished high school, they had come straight to the five-year program, and so I knew them, and I knew that they really enjoyed the course. Um, And I also think that it's important for people to leave where they come from, just generally, and study somewhere else so that if and when they choose to go back it is a choice and it's not something that they feel like they've stuck or missed an opportunity by never leaving where they came from. I guess that's a lot about the entire university experience yeah. as well regardless of what you're going to study it is granted you you get this great degree and you know yeah. you study what ideally you study what you love but then mm-hmm. it is all the life experience that comes with it as well and I guess in, in your sense that you get to experience that as well. Exactly. And then specifically, this school has a really great animal welfare reputation as well, which was important to me when choosing a vet school. Susan, Zoe talked a little bit there about kind of the international presence we have. Um, In your opinion, what is it do you think that makes this course stand out compared to the other ones, maybe in the UK or or worldwide, that we're able to attract students like this from all over the globe? Uh, Well, Stephen, I think there's very many reasons for that. I think um, one would be our world-class facilities that that we have here. We've invested an awful lot of money over the last 10 or so years in in the campus. But I think even more importantly than that is the the community that we have here. And that community is staff and students working together. There's a a staff uh, complement that um, contains many world-leading researchers in their fields. Um, And we also have the Roslyn Research Institute embedded in the school, which allows students the opportunity not only to be taught by leading experts, but actually to participate in research projects themselves. And as Zoe already mentioned, we also have the Animal Welfare Centre, the Marching Centre for um, Animal Welfare Education embedded in the school. And that's um, really important to us to have that um, ethos of animal welfare and ethics running through our programme. Yeah, and I guess it's testament to how great the kind of staff you are that we're kind of ranked so high you know not just in the UK but worldwide for 
for veterinary medicine as well. And um, you did talk about the facilities a little bit there. We had the first episode of this podcast is actually talking about East Prussia campus as a whole. Um, so it's a great one to check out as well if you want to know a little bit more about that side of things. Now, I want to ask you something from maybe an admissions point of view, if, if you're able. And say I'm a high school student wanting to get into veterinary medicine. What can students do to maybe stand out to, to ensure that they get onto a course like this? Yeah, so I think we're always very interested. Obviously, academic achievement is, is one part of the picture. But on top of that, we're really keen to make sure that our students have explored the profession um, as much as they can before they come to us so they understand what the profession is about, the challenges that might exist, but also the rich opportunities that exist. So in order to stand out, I would say just make sure that you um, have had an opportunity to read a bit about the profession. Um, if you can, if it's possible in your um, context, um, try and go and um, watch a vet uh, in practice um, doing the job and maybe talk to them about the job. Um, ideally as well we're very keen that students, again if it's possible depending on their geographical location, we like them to have explored uh, opportunities uh, working with a range of different animal species, so it might be kennels, stables, um, farms at lambing time, that type of thing. It really adds a richness to your application if you can talk about these types of experiences when you come to interview because every student who is successfully uh, successfully gets onto our programme um, will go through an interview process to, to get onto the programme. And I want to talk a little bit as well maybe about mature students who are not coming straight from, mm -hmm. from high school. Is there kind of what sort of things do you look for from them? Um, I would say that similar but translating into the context obviously we know that mature students will have had more life experience and actually they often perform very well at interview because of that because they've got a richer um, experience set to yeah. uh, to build on so again I would just say that that commitment and motivation and enthusiasm goes a long way um, as well and I would also say when we're talking about our mature students that it really adds a, a, a important richness to the student um, body on the campus the fact that we've got school leavers and graduate students together and they, they work to support each other and it's a real um, benefit I think to have both groups together working together. Definitely. So I want to talk a little bit more maybe about the first year of the course and now Zoe you did uh, what's called a GEP. That's right. Um, which is graduate entry program. And can you talk through a little bit about that and maybe how it how it differs to the standard five-year course? Sure, so the graduate entry program is four years instead of five, and the way that it becomes shorter is you do the first two years together as one year, just with the other graduate entry students, and then in what would be the main program's third year, you all stream together and then finish the degree together. Okay. Um, did you find it difficult coming here and maybe adapting from another degree, or was it Um I honestly thought that the hardest part was the actual process of moving. I think that the school did a really fantastic job of supporting all of the international students on the program. I think that there was a lot of thought and sort of intention that went into creating that program, and it really shows when you're in it. There's so much sort of support, and I mean, even in your first week of school, there's tours of the city, and you walk up... Um, Arthur's Arthur's thank you. <laughs> and all that sort of thing. And so it really integrates you into the sort of Edinburgh as a whole rather than just yeah. the program at once. And I think that that was really great. And I know we talked about things in, in the previous episode, like the uh, personal tutor kind of thing. Yeah. And I know in later episodes we'll be talking a lot about kind of the personal support that the mm -hmm. university does 
does provide. So it, it is great, and especially from an international perspective, it is important because you're so far away from your home. It's you know a completely different yeah. world that you're living in. Totally. Almost. Yeah. And just quick question, just to um, confirm that it is, it is the same degree at the end of the day, isn't yes, it? That you leave at the exact same degree, and mm-hmm. you won't be kind of. Um, at a disadvantage in, in any way for only no. four years. Not only is it the exact same degree as a Scottish student would get, but me as a Canadian would be getting the exact same degree as any Canadian would get as well. Okay. So, I mean, more of the students do undertake the five-year programme than the four-year programme. It's roughly about um, three times as many would do okay. the five-year programme. So it's still a significant number that do the graduate entry programme. And we're very keen on uh, making sure that induction process works well for both our school leavers and our graduates. The needs, I would say, are slightly different. For somebody coming straight from school may need a different type of support than a more mature graduate student. Yeah. Um, but I would I would um, re-emphasise what Zoe was saying about, about the city of Edinburgh, and I think one of the wonderful things about our school is the proximity to the city of Edinburgh, because it's a fantastic city to live in and work in, and we're really keen to make sure that our students don't feel in any way isolated in the vet school, that actually they take the opportunity to um, experience the great things that the city of Edinburgh can offer as well. Yeah, for sure. It's a fantastic place to live, and it's kind of it is not a difficult sell when you're trying to persuade someone to come to Edinburgh because it's more a question of why wouldn't you, you know, when you've got things like the fringe on your doorstep or, you know, Arthur's seat, you know, I don't know many cities that have a, a extinct volcano <laughs> just uh, on their doorstep. So it's, it's pretty great. Um, but Susan, in the broadest sense, what can students expect when they first come to Edinburgh Uni to study veterinary medicine? So I think they can expect, um, well, hopefully very quickly, to feel part of our community here, to feel welcomed. Um, we do start, um, after the initial sort of Freshers' Week programme, we start um, the, the, the teaching, obviously, and that teaching, um, I always like to think about as a blend of the best of traditional and, and modern approaches. We still have lectures, we also have a lot of practical classes, tutorials, um, and we also recognise that all students learn differently, so we offer a range of um, e-learning materials and support that way as well. We, we start off learning about the normal structure and function of the animal body, but again we're increasingly um, paying attention to the need to introduce professional and clinical skills that relate to the profession right from the earliest stages of first year so that our students can start to feel like vets um, from the earliest stages rather than waiting towards the end of the course for that. Yeah, carry on from that. Is there kind of a, a staple understanding of what first year would look like for a vet student? Okay, so in, so in first year you would be taught, um, so the main course is called the, the animal body, okay. and so you'd be taught about how the normal animal body um, functions, the structure and function of that animal body, and we tend to put in uh, clinical context and veterinary related um, content where it's appropriate in, in, in that sense. We also, um, in first year, would then move on to start introducing students to the pathogens, the the microbes that cause disease, um, so that they can start to get a feel for what happens when things go wrong. And then, as I mentioned earlier, we also have a what we call a vertical theme course of professional and clinical skills that starts in first year and runs right the way throughout the programme to give students the key skills in animal handling, clinical examination, taking temperatures, those kind of basic skills that are the sort of bread and butter of a competent vet. And I guess that gives them the confidence for later years if they're maybe doing these procedures by themselves or or once they, you know, leave university as well, that they've had this experience to, you know, shadow vets at at the top of their game, as it were, and then gradually build up their experience and then maybe get into more complex things as they 
progress through yeah absolutely course. and I think a part of that scaffolding that you're describing there would um, relate to our clinical skills labs we have a small and large animal clinical skills lab and students are able to use these to practice in a safe environment key techniques like taking blood samples from dogs or positioning animals for for radiographs or and so on or, or rectal examination these kind of things that can be practiced in a safe environment in a welfare friendly environment before the students then go on to to do them on the real animals themselves and just final question about maybe the first year is there any room for differentiation or a specialization or is it kind of you just need that general underlying knowledge first off well, in the early stages, the, the, the challenge that veterinary programmes have worldwide is that there's so much information that we need to cram into them that, particularly in the early years, we need to get through the, the core content. So the students do get um, a, a student-selected component piece of group work that they can choose what they do that on and they can also choose what essay they write or choose to specialise in, in in our Animal Body 2 course. But apart from that, the actual core curriculum is is um, pretty stable and consistent for all students for, for those reasons. Again, when it comes to work experience, students have more flexibility in choosing what they do. There. So I guess that if if you know before you come to university that, well, you know, you want to be an equine vet, you you have to do the general courses, but you can specialise it in your, in your own way. Yes, and, and certainly when you get through to um, final year, our final year is structured in such a way that the first half is core and the second half is entirely student-selected, and by that stage students often do have an idea of what they want to do. But going back to your previous point about a student who comes and, and is pretty sure they want to be an equine vet, that of course happens, but also what I see quite often is a student will start final year sure they want to be an equine vet or a um, or an exotic vet and by the time they experience the rich experiences of working in our clinics they say oh well I thought I wanted to do that now I want to do yeah, this so we're yeah. quite keen to and the only way we can have that flexibility is to make sure that everybody has a common core before they make those choices. Yeah that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> um, now Zoe you're now going into fourth year yes. and is it large animals that yes. you're specialising in? Is that something you you knew or that you kind of learned over time that that's kind of your your focus that you wanted to go into? Um, So the fourth year course in and of itself is when you learn about large animals. So that's really exciting for me as somebody who comes from a bit of an agricultural background. Um, I've personally tried to take the approach of being fairly balanced. I think that there's an expectation when you are a veterinarian that even if, say, you are a feedlot cattle vet, that you could still pay, pay a dog or anything like that yeah and so despite the fact that I'm super comfortable around horses and large animals I've definitely tried to tailor my EMS personally to make myself as well-rounded as I possibly can just for that reason and I don't want to kind of close any doors on myself prematurely that I don't have to Um, in a few weeks I'm even going up north and doing a EMS week with a fish vet I don't know I just really like having sort of as diverse an experience as I possibly can while I'm here I think that's great and I think it's really good that you've got the opportunity exactly to do that yeah you know I know we talked a little bit about how the course is structured and kind of the balance of theory and and practical work does that change over time or does it become more practical based you know um, as you progress through the course Yes, it, it, it does. Um, and at, at the early stages, the practicals would be more focused on, for example, anatomy dissection or um, maybe uh, milking or lambing type practicals. Um, 
the further through the curriculum you go, they become more clinical, and the entire final year is lecture-free and is all practical-based. Uh, okay. So students are um, embedded in our own clinics in the core rotation, and then in the selected phase, they're either choosing to specialise in one of our own specialties, um, or they can choose some external electives as well if they really have a, a particular area in mind. For example, fish work or veterinary public health or, or something like that. They can choose external content. Now, we talked a little bit in the last episode about the veterinary hospitals and the working hospitals that we've got here. Um, how crucial do you think they are for um, just learning the basic skills? They're absolutely essential. I mean, the the, the, the final year of putting all this theoretical work and, and some bits of practical into practice in a working clinic is, is, is really key. And now obviously we have specialist divisions in the hostel. We also have a general practice, which is really important for our students learning the basics of being a general practitioner. We also send our students to a practice that we have um, a relationship with in Fife, which is, um, again, a first opinion practice and is perhaps more the type of practice that students would go into when they first leave rather than a high-end referral practice, which a lot of our work is here. And I know, Zoe, you're talking about the working farms that we've got as well. Yeah, so I was just talking about previously how great it is to have the working farms at, at our disposal for people who say aren't comfortable with large animal handling and things like that to see that end of things. Mm. Um, Are they right on campus here as well? Um, so the sheep shed you can see out of the building so yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> so Zoe, have your expectations been met or how different do you think the course is from what you're expecting? Um, I think that my expectations have more than been met. I think that what I was struck when I by when I came here was just the sense of community that you spoke of and how part of sort of the veterinary profession that you're made to feel as a student from day one, it's not something where in most degrees, or in my undergrad anyways, you're spoken to as when you finish and enter the whatever industry that you're referring to. It's now that you're here and in the industry which I think is a huge difference and it really kind of brings home everything that you're learning every day and it makes it feel super relevant and kind of exciting, I guess, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's just one final question as well, which I'd like to pose to both of you. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what words of wisdom would you guys give to maybe a high school student or, or a mature student who's looking to study this degree? If I were to give advice to someone who's about to start, I would say to take advantage of all the multitude of resources and opportunities that are given to you. Um, even things like labs or any sort of practical classes, don't leave them early, take advantage of them, stay the whole time, learn as much as you possibly can. Um, because the more you learn in class and in those practicals, A, the less you have to study later, but I think that it just really shapes your education in general. And the second piece of advice I would say would be to just have so much gratitude because there's so many people who want to be here and you're one of the lucky few who are or yeah. is. Uh, Susan, do you have anything to, to add to that at all? Uh, it was difficult to add. To that, <laughs> but, um, I think I would say, you know, be, be prepared to take responsibility for your own learning. Um, and as we said, make the most of the resources that, that are available to you, but also make the most of the opportunity to be studying um, in the, well, near the city of Edinburgh and all the clubs and societies that are available, not just in the school, but as part of the big university as well. Um, you know, so take the opportunity to work hard and play hard too, I think is, is what I'm saying, and to make, make new friends that will last a lifetime as well. And I think we will be talking about that a little bit later in the series as well, because we'll have an episode about the wider University of Edinburgh community as well. We'll be talking about everything from societies to sports club and even the student union. 
and then we will also have as, as I was saying earlier we'll have an episode based on Edinburgh as a city as well and, and why it's such a great place to live well I think we've covered everything we wanted to in this episode I hope you found it worthwhile and have some answers for any questions that you may have had regarding Edinburgh University's veterinary medicine course we've already released our first episode which looked at the East of Bush campus as a whole and some of the facilities and resources which are available to students there I'd recommend checking that out if you haven't already if you did find this episode beneficial, be sure to give us a nice review and follow us on various social medias. On Facebook, you can find us at the Royal Dick School of Veterinary Studies. On Twitter, the uh, vet school can be found at the Dick Vet, and on Instagram, it's also the Dick Vet. I wanted to say three thank yous uh, today. One to Professor Susan Rind for joining us today. Thank you very much. I know you're, you're very busy, so appreciate the time. And one to Zoe once again for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. And also one to yourself for tuning in and downloading or streaming this episode. Hope you found it somewhat useful. We'll be back again with another episode of the Dick Vet Podcast very soon. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.